Hey everyone, this is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com and this is the Ready For The Draft podcast. This is the third installment of the Rapid Fire podcast bringing together the positional breakdowns of every position leading up to the NFL Draft, which is set to begin April 25th. Nashville, Tennessee, it's right around the corner. You can see it. The finish line is right there. It's just next week. Uh, and so episode 28 is going to be all about the wide receiver position. We're going to be taking a look, really diving into everything wide receiver. But before that, I do need to call myself out. And I was taking a look at some of my rankings. And and I mentioned in, in the last couple of episodes that I really wanted to get back to going with my gut. Uh, a lot of times I overthink things a little bit and really going with my gut. And, and Kyler Murray is somebody who has been my, my number one quarterback at one point and uh, kind of moved that around with Dwayne Haskins. But at the end of the day, you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, who who is going to be that number one quarterback coming out of each draft class? And all the game film with Russell Wilson, because, uh, you know, Russell Wilson ultimately – signed the the contract, making him the highest paid quarterback in the league. But when he had the deadline that was set, there was a ton of game film. And what you watched with Russell Wilson, what made him so spectacular is his ability to make plays when, when the play breaks down, when he's under pressure, under duress. And I had to think back last year, what made Baker Mayfield so enticing for, for John Dorsey there with the number one overall pick. Um, you know, and I talk about the swagger and, and I've talked about how he can change the losing culture, but the fact of the matter is, is he was just as good against the Blitz as he was with the clean pocket. And Kyler Murray's the exact same way. This is a guy who just ice water in his veins, never let anything rattle him, never really seemed to be uh, jittery or anything like that in the pocket. He was calm, cool, and collected every step of the way. And for me, when you watch that, you know, he, he was not making a lot of mistakes when he was in the pocket uh, under pressure. The You look at a guy like Daniel Jones, a, a guy that a lot of people are really high on. I talked about that bowl game where he, he, he threw for five touchdowns, but he also threw two interceptions. And if you watch those interceptions, you know, especially there was one where he was rolling out and threw the ball late over the middle across his body and got picked. Those are decisions that obviously ill-advised and that's when he's under pressure. And that's really what happens. Uh, You know, Dwayne Haskins, a lot of people bring up the Purdue game, but again, you know, this is a guy who put that team on his back and there were stretches where nobody was better than Dwayne Haskins. Uh, You know, Drew Locke, same thing. He went up against Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, and, and struggled when he was under duress. But, you know, he's one of those guys too, when you watch his game, um, you know, he can make plays outside the confines of the of the pocket and outside the confines of the offense. And, you know, those are traits that you need at the next level. Here's another guy who I think is rising up boards. I've got him coming off the board early in uh, on day two. And my updated rankings or updated mock draft is going to be released here in the next few days. But I actually have Will Greer going to Cincinnati. I think that'd be a great fit if... Zach Taylor doesn't get his quarterback in round one. I think he can get Devin Bush at number 11, get Will Greer in round two. Look, Will Greer, according to Pro Football Focus, 
76.2% adjusted uh, completion percentage. So, you know, against the blitz, against pressure, nobody was better. You know, he was most accurate against the blitz. And, uh, you know, to me, Will Greer is, is one of those prospects that nobody's really talking about. And he's probably one of the best quarterback prospects nobody's talking about. So I think that gap between the first three and then the number four quarterback is 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 narrowing just a little bit. And uh, so I, I had to call myself out. Kyler Murray should be the number one overall quarterback um, on my breakdown and in my ranking. So I've, I have made that change. And when I get the final uh, rankings out onto my website, you will see that. So I wanted to make sure that I call that out. So with that said, let's go ahead and get into the wide receiver position, shall we? That's what we're here for. Taking a look at the receiver position, you know, and, you know, talking about what's going to happen with, with DK Metcalf as an example. Since 2011, 15 uh, of the 30 quarter, uh, 15 of the 30 wide receivers drafted in the first round were taken in the top half. So you, you take a look at, at in 2011, um, you know, AJ Green, Julio Jones were the two quarter or two receivers taken in, in the top half of the first round. Um, you know, when you look at it, you know, 6'3", 211 pounds for AJ Green, Julio Jones, 6'2", 220 pounds, 4'4", 40 for AJ, Julio with a 4'3", you know, Justin Blackman, 6'1", 207, 4'4", 640, uh, Michael Floyd, 6'2", 220, 4'4", 740, uh, uh, that was in 2012, Tavon Austin, the diminutive one in 2013, 5'8", 174 pounds, ran a 4'3", 440. So, you know, already seeing that, you know, these big-bodied receivers that are running sub 4'5", uh, those are the guys that you can expect potentially coming off the board in the top half of the first round. Uh, now, 2013 also brought us uh, DeAndre Nuke Hopkins uh, at 6'1", 207 pounds, ran a 4'5", 740, ultimately was 27 overall. Important to keep that in mind. Uh, 2014, that was the draft that we saw everybody, anybody and everybody coming out of this draft class. Sammy Watkins, six foot, 211 pounds, 4'4", 340. Big Mike Evans, 6'4", 231 pounds, ran a 4'5", 340. You know, uh, but this was a guy in, in, in two years, 151 receptions, 1,499 yards, and 17 touchdowns. So even, you know, with running the 4'5", um, because he was so productive there at, at A&M, he ultimately was, was taken higher than, uh, than I think a lot of people were expecting. You know, could we potentially see a run on receivers early in the draft? I think because it's so deep at the position, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case. Odell Beckham Jr., 5'11", 198 pounds, 4'4", 840. Starting to see a trend, aren't we? 2015, Amari Cooper, six foot, 211 pounds, 4'4", 340. Kevin White came out of nowhere out of West Virginia, 6'2", 215 pounds, 4'3", 540. Been a disappointment at the next level to this point. Devontae Parker, uh, jury still out with him, 6'2", 209, 4'4", 540. Corey Coleman, you know, again, we're going under uh, under six feet, 5'11", 194, 4'3", 940. Uh, in that same year, 2016, uh, Michael Thomas, 6'3", 212 pounds, uh, ran a 4'5", 540, 47th overall pick. You know, I can tell you that the Saints love to have him fall in their laps. Uh, 2017, uh, Corey Davis, you know, ankle injury kept him from uh, the combine, 6'3", 209, 
But uh, <clears throat> when you're talking about production, I mean, my goodness, the the Mac uh, conference uh, all time leading receiver. Uh, with 331 receptions, over 5,200 yards, 52 touchdowns. So yeah, you know you didn't really need to to see him at the combine to know that he was going to be a wide receiver drafted high. I just don't think we were expecting him to be drafted number five overall. Mike Williams, 6'4", 218 pounds, 45440. John Ross, 5'10", 188 pounds, 422. Uh, just hasn't translated just to this point. Uh, now, in comparison, you know, 2018, we had two receivers that were taken, um, both outside uh, the, the top half. DJ Moore, six foot, 210 pounds, ran a 4.4240. Calvin Ridley, six foot, 189 pounds, 4.43. So, just when we're talking about the the wide receiver p- uh, position and and who's going to be taken in the top half of the first round, uh, when you look at a lot of the uh, the, the, the dynamics here, um, not saying it's out of the, you know, out of the realm of possibility. I mean, you look at, at obviously DK Metcalf and what he did, 6'3", 228 pounds, uh, 34 and, and 7 eighths inch arms, um, you know, 40 and a half inch vertical leap. And oh yeah, by the way, he ran that 4'3", 340 and he put up 225, 27 times, just a, an absolute athlete. Uh, at the wide receiver position, but he's not alone. You know, Hakeem Butler, 6'5", 227 pounds, 10 and three quarters inch hands and 35 and a quarter inch arms. I mean, this guy's, uh, you know, another freak of nature running a 4'4", AJ Brown, he was supposed to be a possession guy, you know, playing out of the slot, six foot, 226 pounds, big muscular guy, ran a 4'4", So you're looking at these guys and, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the, the separation there or who could potentially come out. Oh, wait, left a guy out. Nikhil Harry, 6'2", 228 pounds, 4'5", 340. What was it that Mike Evans ran in his 40 at the combine? 4'5", 3". And, and from a production standpoint, Nikhil Harry isn't too far from, from what Mike Evans was able to produce. Um, you know, so it, it's one of those things um it's going to be interesting to see exactly how this draft plays out um, because, you know, frankly, there there are receivers that have the, you know, I, I think in a draft where we didn't have so many defensive prospects, we have a have the players that could potentially fit that mold of a receiver that could be taken in the top half of round one. I only have one that's penciled in there, and that's DK Metcalf, and I have him going to the, the Redskins at number 15 overall. Um, but you know, this draft, because it is so defense heavy and it's so, uh, loaded at the defensive position, we may see some really good receivers drop, which means day two is going to be a a field day for a lot of these, these receivers. So looking at a little bit more of history, you know, I like to study the draft, like to take a look at the numbers and uh, we're going to go back to 2014, look at the last five drafts leading up to this draft. So what's crazy is, is you look at it and we've had over 30 receivers taken in each one of the drafts, right? So um, in 2014, we had 33 with 15 receivers taken in the first two days. Um, Again, that was Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, uh, OBJ, Brandon Cooks and Kelvin Benjamin going on in round number one um, with uh, Marquise Lee, Jordan Matthews, Paul Richardson, Allen Robinson taken. 
And, and oh yeah, this was a draft where uh, Green Bay was able to get Devontae Adams at number 53, Jarvis Landry at 63. Uh, in 2015, 35 receivers taken with 14 in the first two days. This was the Amari Cooper, Kevin White, uh, Devontae Parker group. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, Brashad Perriman, Philip Dor- Dorsett also taken in round number one. So you see there, there are a lot of guys, really a mixed bag here. I think Cooper and Aguilar probably so far have, have lived up to the expectations more than the other guys. Um, you know, Perriman you know, looks to be a bust, as is Kevin White. Philip Dorsett looks to be a guy who really, you know, the, the draft status there for him was going to be a day two pick. So I think he was, you know, definitely uh, over, um, you know, he was, he was overrated there by a, uh, by being taken in round number one. Round two, we saw some busts in Devin Smith, uh, Doriel Green-Beckham, uh, but we also saw Devin Funches go 41 overall, Tyler Lockett at number 69. You know, And they had a couple of decent picks there on day two. Fourth round, Jamison Crowder going to the Redskins, and uh, Stephon Diggs, a steal coming out of Maryland uh, to Minnesota in, in round number five. Um, you know, 2016, 31 receivers, only nine in the first two days. Um and that was, you know, Corey Coleman, Will Fuller, Josh Doxson, Laquan Treadwell. You know, again, a real mixed bag here. Doxson and Treadwell not living up to their first round billing. Uh, Will Fuller, um, you know, inconsistent, but, you know, can be that vertical threat. But man, you want to talk about getting some receivers on day two. How about Sterling Shepard to the Giants, Michael Thomas to the Saints, Tyler Boyd to Cincinnati. And then in round five, we got to see uh, Tyreek Hill. And, and the explosiveness that he brought to the table, uh, despite the off-field issues. And then Tajay Sharp has actually developed into a decent uh, possession receiver there for, for the Titans. 2017, 32 receivers taken, 14 in the first two days. That was the Davis, Williams, and Ross taken in, in round number one. Uh, Zay Jones and Curtis Samuel, you know, okay receivers there in round number two. But Juju Smith-Schuster, a steal for the Steelers coming out of USC. Round number three. Check this out. Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay. Now the latter is is the, you know, he had his first 1,000-yard season. I think Cooper Cup probably would have been on his way to getting a 1,000-yard season had it not been for the ACL injury. Um, but, you know, that was a draft where, you know, you saw some production there up at the front and then also on, on, on day two, absolutely. Uh, 2018, last season. 33 receivers taken, only 10 in the first two days. Now, obviously, after Moore and, and Ridley, you had Cortland Sutton, Dante Pettis, uh, who looks to be a, a keeper there for San Francisco for sure, Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller to the Bears, James Washington, uh, D, DJ Chark, um, and then uh, round number three, Michael Gallup uh, to the Cowboys, uh, Traquan Smith to the Saints, uh, Kiki QT and, and Antonio Callaway in, in round number four. And then in the fifth round, Green Bay got a vertical threat and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So when, when you look at that, you know you see a lot of slot receivers. You see a lot of possession guys, um, a lot of guys that are actually under six feet tall. Um, so it's kind of interesting that we transition to this year and we look at all of the receivers, these big bodied receivers, you know, and it's, it's unreal just how, how big these guys are. Um, you know, and, and if we look back to 2018, we actually had, let's see, we have more receivers over, over six feet tall 
let's see, than you would have expected out of the group. We actually had 32 receivers um, actually at the at the combine um, that were over six feet tall um, with, let's see, of those, 14 were uh, 6'3 or taller. Now we, we, we take a look at the receiving the, the receivers in this year's draft. How many do we have six feet and taller? Well, we have 36 and uh, 13 are six three and taller. So you know it feels like we've got bigger receivers this year. Um, and, and really you know the reason why is you know when you look at you know a lot of these these big bodied guys, um, you know, it's crazy that we have, let's see, 210, 22 receivers that weigh at least 210 pounds. You know, compared to, to last season, we had just 14. So in terms of these big bodied wideouts, we've got a ton in this draft, and that's something to definitely take notice of. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the draft does play out in this wide receiver position. Again, I think the value is really on day two where you can get a lot of really good receivers. Um, and, and look, when you look at, at, say, like the 2017 draft, when you had Davis, Williams, and, and Ross all go in the top 10, nobody was really expecting that to happen. Is there a drop-off at the receiver position? Um, you know, last in that draft class, you know, you look at the next next receiver, you know, off the board, Zay Jones and then and then Curtis Samuel, you know, there was a bit of a drop off. And so I think that's why you saw those three taken um, in the top 10. Could we see that happen again? You know, it, I think Jacksonville could use his receiver. I think the Giants could use a receiver. I think uh, the Bills could use a receiver. But there's so many other needs. You know, Jacksonville need, needs an offensive tackle. The Giants need a quarterback. Um, the Bills need a defensive tackle and a tight end and an offensive lineman. So, you know, there, there are a lot of other needs. And, and I just don't see a receiver being taken that high. But, you know, what stranger things have happened. So with that said, let's jump into... Um, my top 10 and take a look at some of the other receivers that I want to get to. There are a lot of receivers that I want to talk about and I don't want to lose sight of. So we're going to go um, hopefully pretty fast and furious here and get through as many receivers as we can uh, because there are a lot of guys to talk about. Um, so Hakeem Butler is my number one wideout. Now I know what you're saying, you know, DK Metcalf, you just said was going to be the only receiver taken in the top half of the first round. And you're right. But Hakeem Butler was my favorite receiver to watch the entire season. Um, you know, last uh, last year, uh, 2017, um, you know, he played with, with Alan Lazard, who was Iowa State's all-time leading receiver. But in 2018, took over the, the reins himself, 60 catches, uh, 1,318 yards, nine touchdowns. That's a 22-yard average, which I believe was third in the FBS. Uh, now, Pro Football Focus, and, and you know, I, I pulled a lot of data from uh, Pro Football Focus when we're talking about these receivers that I thought was quite interesting. Now, for Hakeem Butler, he had 19 receptions 
where they were, you know, 20 plus yards down the field. And so I, I think that speaks to his, uh, his big play ability. You know, I think one of the things that you can definitely, you know, talk about is, you know, his lack of, of red zone production. Um, you know, and I think that's a fair argument, but this is the guy who just made so many plays down the football field, um, that you didn't necessarily have to worry about that. You know, this guy, you know, I talked about the 10 and three quarter inch hands rumored to be able to palm a helmet. I mean, you just think about these hands just so easily able to snatch the ball out of the air. And I think about his, his physicality. You know, not only is he able to go up and elevate and, and catch the ball over defenders, but he's a load to bring down. You know, if you watch that Kansas game, I mean, he just abused. You know, first he showed showed off the speed and ran. I believe it was a skinny post and caught the pass and ran away from the defenders and was gone. Caught the ball on his back hip, and then later on elevating over the defender Hassan defense uh, and really I, I think his waist was at at uh, the safety's helmet. And comes down with the ball in his left hand, takes his right arm, grabs a hold of the DB, basically stiff arms him and throws him aside and then takes off uh, for a score. And, and against OU, he had two 50-plus yard receptions against, against the Sooners and broke four or five tackles, dragging guys for extra yards. You know, just an absolute beast after the catch. You know, excellent. Uh, you know, he, I think he has underrated route running ability. You know, I, I talked about how, you know, he needs to sink his hips a little bit more into his routes, but I think he does have underrated um, uh, route running. Um, I think he has excellent body control, especially along the sidelines. Um, a huge catch radius, um, you know, and, and can really lay out and extend for a football. Um, but the, what really worries about me about him is uh, all the drops. He's got to cut down on, on his drops more than anything else, you know, and get him in a jugs machine, get, you know, help him build some chemistry with, with his receiver. I've got him actually coming to uh, green Bay with the number 30 overall pick. And I know what you're saying. Why did you put him to green Bay when they already have three other receivers, um, six, three or taller. They took three receivers in the fifth round, Jamon Moore out of Mizzou, um, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I just mentioned out of USF, and uh, Equinemia St. Brown out of Notre Dame. Well, you know, the only one that really has made an impact is is Valdez-Scantling. And, you know, outside of, of, of Devontae Adams, they really haven't gotten a ton of production um, out of the receiver position. And, and so... You know, especially now you're losing, you know, Randall Cobb. You've already lost Jordy Nelson. You need to get another guy out there. And I think Matt LaFleur, you know, I, I talk about it in my in my, my mock. Um, the old regime was all about defense. You know, only two offensive players taken in round number one under Mike McCarthy. They were both tackles, Derek Sherrod and, and uh, Brian Balaga. I think Matt LaFleur is going to turn everything up on its head for the Packers. I think he's going offense. I got TJ Hawkinson going number 12, and then Akeem Butler number 30 overall. Give him a downfield threat, a big-bodied receiver. If we can work on those hands, Hakeem Butler could be a beast in Green Bay. So that's my number one wideout. Number two, as I said, DK Metcalf, the, the, the downfield uh, prowess 21.9 yards per per reception. 
um, you know, in his seven games before he did break his neck. Look, he did get a clean bill of health, so we're not going to really, uh, you know, harp on the on the neck injury too much. Um, but you know, it has to be a little bit of a concern. Um, you know, look, Mike Williams playing there in San Diego. Um, you know, he had the neck injury there at Clemson, and uh, you know, he's been able to put together a pretty solid career there for um, for the Chargers. Now. Metcalf, obviously, the the speed and the size—that's exactly what uh, what you're looking for in a receiver. Um, I talked about uh, you know how much strength he has, which which really leads to the fact that he you know can put a you know that he can really uh, block re- you know defenders out on on the perimeter. Does a great job in the running game. Does a great job uh, opening holes and uh, allowing. Um, A.J. Brown and Demarcus Lodge and Dawson Knox, the tight end, to make plays down the field as well as a downfield blocker. Um, you know, he uh, is, is, I think when you turn on the film, you see the vertical threat, you see the vertical ability. You know, I wonder if he can run any other routes, though. And that's really the biggest concern, I think, more than anything else. A lot was made of, of what D.K. did in uh, the three cone drill on the short shuttle, because in the short sh- in the three cone drill, um, first off, he was the third slowest running a seven three eight three cone drill. Now, if we want to use last year's draft just as a as a comparison, nobody in that entire draft class ran that slow of a three cone drill. So you know when you when you're talking about that a seven uh, seven three eight, you know that that's just not getting it done in a in, in a three cone drill. Now again, not necessarily translating to the next level. Um, and then you look at his his short shuttle. He ran a four five short shuttle. So if you take that and you compare that with again with last year's draft, and that short shuttle. Let's see, Traquan Smith. Ran a four five, and just as a frame of reference, Calvin Ridley ran a four four one, Christian Kirk ran a four four five. So, do these drills necessarily translate to the next level? No, but you know, there's not a ton of film of of DK Metcalf running all the routes in the route tree. Now, you know, the limited route tree isn't all his fault because a lot of that has to do with the offense that the Rebels were running. It really just wasn't very advanced, um, you know, but. I think the prowess that he has is is with his ability to um, create separation off the line. You know, he he's so quick. Um, you know, he uses his hands very well and, and sets up the the receivers. I'm sorry, the defensive backs off the line um, with with his sudden moves. Um, uses his hands very well to to get off the jam. Um, sets his man up very well as as well. We'll we'll give a quick head fake, um, whether it's to the inside or the outside, and get a really clean release off the line. Um, you know the, the hands. He's so physical and so powerful with his hands that he can just toss a, a defensive back you know aside, and, and if that happens, he's he's gone. Um, you know I I think the the game against Alabama really speaks to that. Um, set the corner up with a quick jab step to the outside. A uh, couple with quick hands to throw that DB aside. I think it was Savion Smith. Uh, got the free release vertically. Uh, impressive acceleration down the field. Uh, Jordan Ta'amu aired it out. Um, did a great job tracking the ball. I think that's one of his his um, his skill. Really, uh, one of his strengths. One of his strong suits. Extended for the ball without having to break stride. 
Uh, took it to the house, 75-yard touchdown on the opening play from scrimmage against Bama. Um, you know, he, he destroys a coverage cushion in a matter of just a couple of steps with his acceleration. Does a tremendous job setting up his man, able to to really stack the, the, the DB. Um, you know, that ability to get vertical in a hurry uh, is going to get him on the field very early because um, you know he can also take that short pass and turn it into a big gain uh, against Arkansas. Uh, caught a quick throw on the perimeter, turned away from the, the cornerback who whiffed on the tackle, uh, and then showed that acceleration to run away uh, from the defenders for a big gain. Um, you know, he, he has the size and leaping ability to make plays all over the field, especially in the red zone. Uh, just put on the film of that game-winning touchdown against Kentucky, and you'll see exactly what it is that I'm talking about there. Ole Miss drove down to the Wildcats' seven-yard line, Metcalf's guarded by 6'3 corner Lonnie Johnson Jr., who has the potential to be a day two pick. Metcalf fights through uh, some of the grabbing and hand fighting by Johnson uh, on a fade to the corner of the end zone, able to go up strong, elevate over Johnson, pluck the ball out of the air with his hands, and show the body control required to get his foot in bounds before going out. Just an amazing job creating that late separation, using that length, clearing some extra space. And, and then just happens to haul that, that pass in. I mean, it's it's in, incredible. Uh, and then, of course, Metcalf has the NFL bloodlines. His father, Terrence, grandfather, Terry, and Uncle Eric all played in the league. You know, it, it's something for me when I look at, at Metcalf. He's, uh, he, he's one of those explosive athletes. You know, and that's one of those things that, that does scare me. You know, boomer bust type of guy. You know, you haven't seen a ton of production out of him, when you look at his stats, uh, look at the stat line, you know, when you're talking about just 67 receptions um, as a redshirt sophomore, 1,228 yards, 14 touchdowns, you know, that is in 19 games, but it's something to where receivers, you know, need some time to develop. And yes, he's a tremendous athlete, but is his game going to end up translating to the next level? That's going to be the big, big concern. You know, if he can show that he can he can run the routes, he can be a blocker out on the outside, um, you know, be more than just a one trick pony going, you know, running deep routes and and uh you know in the red zone, then uh, DK Metcalf could very well be uh every bit, you know, is worth the uh the, the pick in the top half of the first round. I've got him going to the Redskins, by the way, at number fifteen. Uh Josh Doxon, Paul Richardson, um, you know, Trey Quinn are the the top wideouts there. They they need a number one, frankly. And, and that's why I have DK Metcalf going there. Number three is A.J. Brown. Now, A.J. Brown, when you talk about complete receivers, he may actually be the most complete receiver in this draft. And it wouldn't surprise me if A.J. Brown were the number one wide receiver taken. Um, I know that's kind of hard to believe, but he was the guy that everyone was talking about as number one receiver coming into this this uh, entire draft. Um, you know, really coming into the season, um, you know, he had 75 receptions, 1,252 yards and 11 touchdowns, 16.7 average there as a sophomore, as a junior, what does he do? He ups that 85 receptions, 1,320 yards, and, you know, only six touchdowns, but you know, he, he's a playmaker on the outside. You know, he can play in the slot, uh, you know, very versatile weapon. Another guy who's very physical as a as a blocker. So you know that his teammates are gonna love uh, love playing with the guy as well. Got really long arms. Does a great job um, extending for the football. Um, 
you know, for, for me, I, I think really what's going to end up happening for him is, is he's going to end up playing in the slot uh, at, at the next level. You know, I'm looking at, at Indy, and that's really where I have him going at number 26 overall. Um, you know, we'll talk about that here in just a second. But, um, you know, I think he's a much more polished receiver than he's really getting credit for. Um, he can stretch defenses from the slot, can find it, um, can, you know, work over the middle, very tough. Uh, over the middle, body control along the sideline as well. Um, and and what, what was surprising was he ran that 4 4 9 40. I think speed was kind of a concern heading into the combine, but he showed that he's much more explosive than people thought. You know, added that 36 and a half inch vertical leap to show that he can go up and, and attack the football in the air. And look, the Colts need to give more weapons to, to Andrew Luck. Um, you know, I, I noted in, in my mock draft that uh, T.Y. T. Hilton and, and tight end Eric Ebron combined for 142 receptions for over two, uh, 2,000 yards and 19 touchdowns. Um, you know, after that, you had Naeem Hines, the, uh, the rookie running back, who had 63 receptions himself. After that, you had four receivers. You had Chester Rogers, Ryan Grant, Dontrell Inman, and uh, Zach Paschal, who themselves combined those four Combined for 143 receptions, 1,391 yards, and eight touchdowns. Um, you know, D, D, I know Deion Kane suffered that torn ACL in, in August, sat out 2018. You know he has to be factored into the Colts offensively. And they brought in uh, Devin Funches. Kind of rules out any of the bigger-bodied receivers there. Uh, but, again, they need someone who can work in the slot, who can take pressure off A.J. Brown, or I'm sorry, off T.Y. Hilton. And I think A.J. Brown can absolutely do that. I think... Andrew Luck would love to get get Brown in there, and, and the Colts. I know you know there's a lot of talk about them potentially taking a defensive tackle in round number one. But if AJ Brown is still on the board at number 26, man, take him. Give Andrew Luck that that additional weapon, and uh, you can address that defensive tackle position on day two. And uh, you know I was able to to find a pretty decent defensive tackle for them at the end of uh, the second round. So. Moving along from number three to number four, and not somebody that a lot of people have on their radar. Oh, you know, but before I move from, move on from AJ, uh, Pro Football Focus, seventeen bro, uh, broken tackles and, and thirty-four explosive plays, um, with just five drops on ninety targets. So very reliable uh, receiver, powerful, you know, with the broken tackles and much more explosive than everyone was expecting. So. Moving on to the receiver that people aren't really talking about, and I don't know why. I mean, this is a guy flying under the radar. He was one of the most fun receivers to watch play. That's J.J. Arcega-Whiteside out of Stanford. 6'2", 225 pounds. The junior um, really put everything together um, in 2018 uh, for the Cardinals. 63 receptions, 1,059 yards, which is a 16.8 average, and, and 14 touchdowns. Had a total of 28 in his career, and this guy... Man, defenses knew what was coming in the red zone, and they still couldn't stop it. This is a guy, you know, he, he does struggle to get off the line at times, but uh, what he would do is on, on his fades, he would get into the, you know, basically post up the receiver in, in the end zone, keep him on his back hip, and then he would go up and attack the football in the air. Very sudden, strong hands, and pluck the ball out of the air like he's he's going for a rebound. Looked like a basketball player. He's got a basketball background, boxing out the guy, and then go get the rebound. That's exactly what he was doing time and time again, and uh, teams couldn't stop it. 
And, and frankly, you know, as a guy who went, went to USC, I watched a lot of Pac-12 football, and you knew what was going to happen when they got into the red zone. And uh, it was just so much fun to watch because he was going to make that play anyway, make that play on the football. What's interesting to note is that uh, Pro Football Focus uh, indicated 19 contested catches on 32 um 32 opportunities. So this is a guy who definitely knows how to go up and high point the football. He's also someone who does a great job not only tracking the football down the field, but um, you know I, I think he does a good job creating late separation, extending that arm, getting that extra distance. We talked about that with AJ Brown, um, and, and that's something that I think that our Sega Whiteside does well as you know as, as well. Now he does struggle getting off the line. You see him doing a lot of. Uh, uh, stutter steps, you know, off the line, doesn't always create that separation right there, you know, and, and doesn't always get through the jam. But once he does get by the line of scrimmage, uh, especially if you give him a free release, uh, this guy's got some pretty good acceleration, you know, and he ran a 4.49 at Stanford's Pro Day. So there's much more speed to this guy, showing that he's not just a one trick pony. This is a guy who can get vertical. I think he runs some decent routes. And uh, very underrated receiver in my books. And, and, and I think that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is going to make a team very happy uh, because he's going to fall to round, you know, to the round, uh, second round. Fall to day two. And I'm looking at Minnesota. You got Stephon Diggs. You got Adam Thielen. You know, guys that can make plays on the outside, but I think they're very good in the slot. Get a big-bodied receiver on the outside, like Arcega-Whiteside. Imagine that trio. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Adam Thielen, and Stephon Diggs. Um, you know, I think Kirk Cousins would be doing backflips if he could get that uh, that receiving core there in, uh, in Minnesota. So moving along to number five on my list. So number five is going to be Andy Isabella, another guy that people aren't really talking about a whole lot. But man... You want to talk about explosive. 5'9", 188 pounds, uh, out of UMass. And uh, all he did was you know, put up some huge numbers. Uh, 231 receptions, over 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns. Check this out. Last year, 102 receptions, uh, just under 1,700 yards, um, and 13 touchdowns. Um, just a, a, a absolute speedster. Put up 219 receiving yards against Georgia. Um, ran a, a 4-3-1-40 at the combine. Tied Paris Campbell for uh, the, the top spot there. And uh, you know he's said to have beaten Denzel Ward in the 100 meters in high school. Um, you know Denzel Ward, the number four overall pick of the of the Cleveland Browns. So you know this guy is moving, absolutely moving. Um, but you know he, he's one of my favorite players. You know if you listen to one of my first podcasts of the year, Andy Isabella was a guy that I was talking about, just continuing to make catches, continuing to make plays. Um, you know, and that vertical threat. Um, you know, a guy who can play well in the slot. He's just a, a smart, savvy receiver. And uh, I'm looking at, at the Patriots. You know, the Patriots need to uh, you know shore up that that receiving core a little bit. You know, they they don't have Danny Amendola. They lost Chris Hogan. Yes, they brought in Demarius Thomas to be a bigger uh, wideout, but Julian Edelman is going to need some help there in the slot attack in the middle of the field. And I think Andy Isabella can not only attack the middle of the field, but he's shown that speed to stretch defenses vertically. I think he's a perfect fit, perfect match. Doesn't really have to move very far considering he's in uh, in Massachusetts already. And uh, shoot, why not 
take Andy Isabella in round number three, New England. Um, it just makes the most sense. You know, I think he's, you know, probably already, you know, has a has a spot in there in their locker room. Wouldn't be surprised. Um, number six on the list is, is Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State. Already talked about him just a little bit. 6'2", 228 pounds out of Arizona State. Um, big guy, uh, two, you know, back-to-back, 1,000-yard seasons, um, 213 receptions uh, in his career for 2,889 yards and 22 touchdowns, um, including 17 in, in the last two seasons. You know, and I actually have Nikhil Harry going number 33 overall to the Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals are showing some interest from what I've seen read online. Um, you know, and that's something that, you know, I think you definitely have to keep an eye on. You know, now he's definitely known for his ability to use his size to his advantage. Doesn't always create separation, which is pe- what people are worried about. Um, you know, especially with the route running, you know, needs to do a better job of sinking his hips. Um, does a great job shielding defenders from the football. Uh, can set uh, you know that late late separation, extending those arms again. Another receiver who has that prowess, uh, excellent body control, especially on the back shoulder throws. Has a 38 and a half inch vertical leap to high point the football. Uh, good awareness along the sideline to keep the feet in bounds. Um, you know, I, I think he he does a good job using his hands at the top of his routes to disengage a little bit. So that'll kind of uh, alleviate some of that that the issues there with sinking his hips in his route running large catch radius quarterbacks can put the ball somewhere in his vicinity and he'll go up and make a play if you haven't already seen the the play against USC I've talked about it in a few of my podcasts um you know he he pulled an Odell Beckham Jr uh style catch you know the ball was he he was lined up to the wide side against Amon Marshall up the sideline and it was kind of a back shoulder throw and he, as he was, you know, kind of falling down, reached back over his head. Um, I think it was his left hand too, um, if I'm not mistaken. And basically, full extension behind him, almost horizontal to the ground, and uh, and hauled in the pass. Um, you know, you heard me kind of distancing myself from the from the mic. I was actually acting that out as uh, as I was talking about it. Um, but you know, he's also a beast when he's got the ball in his hands. Such a load to bring down. Extremely physical, unfazed by contact. Check this out. Pro Football Focus: thirty-eight broken tackles in his three seasons with the Sun Devils. Uh, so absolute beast there at. Uh, at the wide receiver position. And, and look, the Cardinals, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, he's 35 years of age. This could be his last year. They've got Christian Kirk working the slot. Um, Kevin White was signed in in free agency to try, try to resurrect his career. But, you know, Kyler Murray or whoever it's going to be playing quarterback there in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, uh, they're going to need uh, weapons. They're going to need wideouts. They're going to need a big-bodied receiver. And Nikhil Harry can absolutely be that guy. So moving on there to number seven. Marquise Brown, Marquise Hollywood Brown, 5'9", 166 pounds, the junior, so explosive, you know, a a lot of fun to watch, Um, you know, back-to-back, 1,000-yard seasons, came in as a sophomore there to OU, um, you know, 1,095 uh, yards, 19.2 yards per reception and seven touchdowns, catching passes from Heisman Trophy winner Baker Mayfield in 2018, 75 receptions uh, for 1,318 yards, that's 17.6-yard average, and 10 touchdowns, catching passes from Heisman Trophy winner Kyler Murray. Um, 
Marquise Brown has the explosiveness. You know, I really would have loved to have seen what he could have run at the combine had it not been for the Liz Frank injury. Um, you know, he he could have challenged John Ross's four two two forty time. Um, really would have been interesting to see. Um, he can absolutely be a game breaker, taking the top off of a defense with that vertical speed and his elusiveness in the open field. Um, you know, he's improved with his route running. You can see that for sure. And uh, just a guy who just continued to make plays. And um, look, he could be a top, you know, could have been a, a top 15, top 20 pick had it not been for the Liz Frank injury. I think he falls to day two. Tampa needs to replace Deshaun Jackson. They need to get that uh, um, that vertical threat. And I think Marquise Brown would be a nice add there. Uh, that Liz Frank injury, man, talk to Des Bryant, uh, Hakeem Nix. You know, it's very difficult to return from. And his game is all about speed. If you have issues with uh, with your feet and ankles, um, you know, I don't care how fast you are, you know, that's going to slow you down. And if his game is all about speed, you got to make sure that that he's he's 100% coming off of that. And I think that's going to give teams a little bit of pause to want to use a first-round pick on him. But man, if he can if he can stay healthy, he's going to be explosive. That's why really why I have him at number seven because of the concerns from a durability standpoint. Which then takes me to number eight, also a guy with durability concerns. You know, he, he uh, number of, of hamstring injuries, you know, just nagging injuries, and then uh, a torn ACL cuts short the 2017 season. That's Debo Samuel out of South Carolina, 5'11", 214 pounds. Um, you know, and, and this guy. Look, you know, he he had two kickoff returns for touchdown, uh, two insane catches, a total of six touchdowns in those three games. Um, and then on a 12-yard curl versus Kentucky, the defender on his back, um, you know, fell back on his uh, on his ankle and, uh, you know, basically ended, ended his season. And, uh, you know, so Debo, look, you know, he's he's – When he's healthy, he, he's one of the more dynamic receivers in this draft. You know, we saw that in the Senior Bowl. Absolutely a guy um, you know, who just looked to be un, un, unguardable. Um, you know, he would shake guys there at the, at the line and, uh, and, and leave them hanging. Or he would give a guy a quick head and shoulder fake and, you know, at the top of his route and you know, leave him in, in the dust. You know, very you know quick with his hips, able to sink him in and cut in and out of his breaks without losing any speed. Um, you know a guy who does a great job, like I said, setting up his man. Um, you know he creates creates so much separation. You know, and I think when you think about Debo Samuel, I think he's quicker than he is fast. You know, meaning you know he's a guy who's who's going to beat you with that separation. Um, you know, laterally and uh, you know in terms of the vertical speed. Um, you know, let's see, he ran a, ran a four, four, eight, 40, but I think he's so much quicker, um, with the football in his hands, very elusive, uh, as well in the open field. And, um, let's see, you know, I, I said his ACL, but it was actually the, the ankle injury. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. He did tear his knee in, in 2017 against Kentucky. Um, but, uh, I, I think the health concerns is that's going to drop his, his draft stock, um, had he been able to stay healthy, probably could have been uh, a potential first-round pick. Um, but, man, I'm, I'm already into the eighth receiver in this 
in this draft class, and three out of those eight, because they have to include DK Metcalf with his with his neck, have had you know injuries that have to you know keep you know a little cause for concern. Um, but when healthy, all these receivers are definitely um, you know guys that that can make a difference. Um, Debo Samuel, hey, Pro Football Focus. What do we have on Debo? Well, Debo, 21 broken tackles on 62 receptions in 2018. 2018 was his first full you know, season where he, he was healthy the entire year. Uh, played the full 12, uh, 12 games there for the Gamecocks. Uh, number nine on my list, how about Kelvin Harmon out of NC State? He was one of my favorite guys as a sophomore um, You know where, when he put up uh, 69 receptions, over a thousand yards, and four touchdowns. This year, um, really made more of an impact. 81 receptions, over 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns. You know, not a big, big guy in terms of separating down the field. Um, just a 14.6 yard per reception average there in 2018. 15.1 for his career. So, um, not not a guy who's necessarily going to stretch defenses. And uh, you saw that with with the forty time, you know, not the not the most impressive forty time, um, to say the least. Um, with with uh, Kelvin Harmon running a four six, but again, you know, I, I I think back to you know a, a guy like Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden, um, you know, when he ran when when he ran at the combine, um, you know, I actually had him penciled in as a, a first round receiver. I had him, I think, going to the Eagles in round number one in uh, in twenty. Uh, in 2003, ended up falling to to round number two, number 54 overall. Um, ran a 4.7140 at the combine, and that 4.7, you know, very slow for for a receiver, especially that's going to be taken that high. Uh, but ultimately, turned out to be a pretty darn good receiver. And I think um, you know Kelvin Harmon definitely has that that ability as well. I actually have him going number 52 overall to the Steelers. You know the Steelers could use another wideout. You know uh, they have Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, you know Antonio Brown is gone. James Washington. Um, they're expecting him to take a, a big step forward. Um, but Dante, Dante Moncrief is being brought in. Um, failed to make the impact with the Jags a season ago. Eli Rogers coming off of an ACL tear. Um, he's going to compete with Ryan Switzer for reps in the slot. Uh, so it sounds like you got a lot of, you know, uh, that receiving core set. But a guy like Kelvin Harmon can come in here and, and I think um, could push James Washington for a starting spot, um, you know, especially if, if Dante Moncrief, um, you know, doesn't live up to what the, the expectations are in, in, in Pittsburgh. Um, but, uh, again, you know, his play in, in, in 2017, first thousand yard receiver for the Wolfpack since 2003. Um, I, I think he does a great job, you know, the strength to fight through press coverage, um, get some separation at the top of his routes. Again, not a burner, but uh, a savvy receiver does a great job with his hands to create late separation. Uh, is it, tremendous tracking the football. I think that's one of his, um, his best attributes is being able to track the football down the field and attack the ball when it's in the air. Um, does a great job adjusting his body and turning to the uh, turning his body in the air to make a play. Um, does a great job coming back to the ball. Uh, is a weapon underneath and, and very strong with the football after the catch, showing that he can absorb contact. Isn't afraid to lower his shoulder for extra yards. Uh, again, more of a possession guy due to his inability to separate. Not all that elusive after the catch. Uh, as he's more of a straight line runner, 
Um, but he does a great job extending, you know, extending for the football, though he does have some lapses where the ball will get into his body a little bit. But uh, Kelvin Harmon was a reliable target for, for Ryan Finley, his favorite guy there on the outside. And uh, I think he could be a favorite target for, uh, for Big Ben there in, in Pittsburgh. My number nine wide receiver. Number 10 on my list. I got Terry McLaurin out of Ohio State. Six foot, 208 pounds. You look at the production, just 75 receptions in his career uh, for 1,251 yards, but 19 touchdowns. Had 11 touchdowns in 2018, 20-yard per catch average, uh, and that's with the receiving core again. You know, I've been talking about it a lot lately with, with Johnny Dixon and Austin Mack and Benjamin Victor. Um, you know, a lot of different receivers there. And uh, you look at Terry McLaurin, and uh, what I, I think was so impressive was what he did at at the Senior Bowl. More than anything else, you know, you watch what he did at the Senior Bowl. Another guy who just basically nobody could really cover him. You know, the the route running ability, his ability to sink his hips and and drive out of his cuts, just open his hips up, run away from defenders. Um, you know, he's he's a a guy who just continue to see his role expand. Um, you know, and even though Paris Campbell was the lone receiver to, t- you know, get over a thousand yards receiving, um, it was Terry McLaurin who was, you know, showing that ref- refined route running ability, um, very crisp routes, um, physical at the top of his routes to create further separation when he's putting his foot in the ground. Um, you know, I think some of the stats, make things interesting here uh, for, for Terry McLaurin. Sports Info Solutions reported that he uh, his explosive catch rate, which is the number of 20-plus yard reception um, receptions per targets, was at uh, 23.1, which is good for 10th overall among the wideouts. And then Roto World reported that McLaurin, 14.3 yards per target average is the highest among the wide receivers and his 22.4 touchdown rate, which is 11 touchdowns on 49 targets, was second in the country. Um, you know, again, you know, he's, he's physical at the line of scrimmage to win using a quick hand slap to, to beat press coverage. Um, you know, I, I kind of liken him, um, you know, a, a little bit with, with what he did at the um, – at the Senior Bowl, it was reminiscent of Cooper Cup. You know, Cooper on the you know on the one hand, he he lacked the top end speed, but he knew how to get open with his routes. McLaurin um, ran a four three five forty at the combine, so he he has the top end speed, he has the suddenness, um, he has the explosiveness. Um, now, is it going to translate to to what Cup did at the next level? You know, let's not necessarily get too carried away with things. I don't think he takes full advantage of his catch radius. Let's too many balls get into his body, which allows you know defensive backs to make plays on the football. Um, earned a lot of his yards after the catch in stride, rather than making any moves to beat defenders in the open field. Um, but you know, I think that also speaks to his ability to get open. Um, you know, more than anything else. Um, so to me, Terry McLaurin is a guy that I think can be an impact player. I've got him going second round, number 55 overall to Houston. So that's the top 10 receivers, but there are a lot of other guys that I that I want to talk about. I mean, we're already an hour in or just close to it on this podcast. There are a lot of other guys. We're going to have to go a little bit faster uh, as we go through this, but man, 
a lot of receivers, a lot of guys that are, you know could potentially fall to, to to round number three and four that uh, you know can really make an impact at the next level. Anthony Johnson out of Buffalo, 6'2", 209 pounds, uh, burst onto the scene as a junior, seventy six receptions, thirteen hundred fifty six yards, fourteen touchdowns uh, in twenty eighteen. Bothered by an injury. Um, you know, it was a hamstring injury, still managed 57 receptions, uh, over a thousand yards, 11 touchdowns, look, 17.8 yards per carry. Um, you know, and when you talk about that, you know, 79 deep targets in two years, according to pro football focus, including 42 last year and a 72% catch rate on deep balls and pro football focus noted that that's a 32.1 yard average down the field. I mean, just ridiculous numbers. I don't even know how pro football focus is coming up with these numbers, but when you think about it, you know, it's pretty impressive what Anthony Johnson was able to do there with Tyree Jackson, uh, with the Buffalo bulls, uh, six drops in 2017, reduced that to three drops in 2018. Um, you know, and we talked about contested catches, nine receptions on 14 contested, uh, uh, contested catches, and uh, 31 missed tackles in his career. So a little bit of elusiveness as well. Thank you, Pro Football Focus, for all of that with Anthony Johnson. Because, look, you know he, he's a guy, to me, uh, third round could end up being a steal for this guy. Miles Boykin, Notre Dame, 6'4", 220 pounds. Um, you know, 59 receptions, 872 yards, and eight touchdowns. As a, uh, as a senior, only three drops. Um, you know, on, on 62 targets. And you know, what I think about with, with Boykin, I, I thought he was more of a possession receiver type of a guy, you know, a guy who could get some late separation down the field, uh, a guy who could work the middle of the field, works the sideline very well. Then he shows up at the combine and just went nuts. Um, absolutely nuts. Um, you know, so Miles Boykin ran a 4 4 43 and a half inch vertical leap, Six seven seven three cone drill, um, you know, which was was the fastest there by the receivers. And then, um, you know, the one thing that, you know, no, he was number three uh, on the short shuttle four point oh seven. Only Paris Campbell and Cody Thompson were faster, um, and, and he's doing all of that at six four and two hundred twenty pounds. I think he definitely made himself some money there at the combine. People sent sent a bunch of people going back to watch his game film because look, he didn't seem to be all that explosive for the Irish, but clearly he's he's a, a twitchier athlete than I think anybody was expecting. And uh, you know it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Could he be a second round pick? He and Anthony Johnson could end up being second rounders. I think ultimately uh, the third round will probably make the most sense for them. Number thirteen on my list. How about David Sills? David Sills out of West Virginia. Um, you know back to back seasons with at least sixty receptions and at least nine hundred eighty yards uh, receiving. Uh, Twenty three touch. I'm sorry. Uh, 33 receptions in the last two seasons, 35 in his career. All the guy does is catch touchdowns. He's a Bolitnikoff Award uh, finalist in 2017. And uh, at 6'3", 211 pounds, uh, ran a 4'5", 740, which I thought was was pretty darn good um, for Sills. And, and look... David Sills, uh, you know, I think he does a great job tracking the football in the air. Um, I think that's uh, he, he's excellent at that. Um, you know, a pretty good catch radius, catches everything that's thrown his way, and 
is a pretty savvy route runner, knows how to get open. You know, he's not uh, not the best athlete in the group, but uh, a guy, again, knows how to get open. And, uh, you know, a 37.5-inch vertical leap, not too bad. Three-cone drill at a 697. Um, so, you know, he's he's got some more athleticism that I think he, uh, people give him credit for. Um, how about Deontay Johnson at Toledo at number 14? 5'10", 183 pounds. Um, you know, really his sophomore year was was the big year. Um, and that was Logan Woodside's final season at quarterback. Um 74 receptions, over 1,200 yards, 13 touchdowns, saw the dramatic drop-off, just 49 receptions for 761 yards and 8 touchdowns. Um, but th- there's no doubt that, that Deontay Johnson is uh, is dynamic. You know, you can see that in his, um, you know, in, in the return game uh, with, with four, four total touchdowns, you know, two as a kick returner and two as a punt returner. So the special teams prowess is also on display, uh, ran a four, five, three forty at the combine. So, you know, really what that tells me is he's, he's, he's quicker than fast. What he really needs to cut down though is, is those, those drops had nine drops last season. He's got to cut down on the drops, got to improve the hands just a little bit. Um, if he really wants to make an impact at the next level, um, I don't think he's, you know, he, he could be a day two pick, could fall to day three. Um, but, you know, that explosiveness is something that, um, you know, laterally and, and just the, the quickness, the suddenness, um, you know, his ability to set people up in the open field. I think that's what ends up getting him drafted um, higher than some of the other receivers. 15, Riley Ridley, the younger brother of Calvin Ridley. Um, I have him number 15 on my board. I've got him rated lower than a lot of people um, because, look, you know, see, 6'1", 199 pounds, the junior. Um, you know, in terms of the, the production, um, only one year of, of, of really any production. Um, you know, he had 12 receptions as a freshman, 14 as a sophomore. 2018, 43 receptions, 559 yards, nine touchdowns. Only a 13-yard per reception average, though. So not not a big you know big play potential uh, coming out of him you know it really screams you know a a possession receiver four five eight forty just kind of you know furthers that then he does you know pulls off a, a thirty and a half inch vertical leap at the combine you know which which also kind of makes you wonder about his um, his ability to uh, you know the, the explosiveness. And and to me, you know, I know Georgia with their offense. It was a two-headed monster at the running back position with Elijah Holyfield and and DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, quarterback play was inconsistent from Jake Fromm. But you know, if I'm going to draft a guy, you know, I'm you know, a lot of it is is based on on potential. It's based on really pure speculation uh, with it. You know. What you've seen out of him, is he going to be a guy that's going to translate to the next level? A lot of people have him as a top 10 receiver, um, but I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I, you know, I've got him penciled in at number 15. Um, he could be, you know, even lower than that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll talk here in a minute about some other guys and, and why I've, I've got him ahead of them. Um, but, you know, I, I really, you know, he's a good route runner. You know, he's got the good bloodlines, excellent body control. Um, but the, the production and, you know, the, the 13 yard per, per catch average, it just screams possession receiver. And, you know, I'm not going to put that in my top 10. Number 16 is Emmanuel Hall, the vertical threat for Drew Locke there at Mizzou, 6'2", 201 pounds, blazing 4'3", 3'9", 40, uh, a track guy. 
Um, you know, so when you look at that, that vertical leap, you know, it, it's no, no surprising that he did uh, jump 43 and a half inches, uh, 141 inch broad jump as well. I mean, just some incredible numbers there. And really, he was the guy that kind of stirred the drink there for Drew Locke. Uh, down the field, just that vertical thread, you know, just a, a presence in that that receiving core. You could tell that Drew Locke very comfortable with him. Um, you know, back to back season. You know, really when you look at it, um, you know, he's missed a ton of games. You know, injuries, hamstrings. Um, that's kind of dropped him a little bit, along with his well, frankly, his drops overall. Um, you know, eighty-two targets um, and uh, you know, twelve drops. Very concerning there. Um, you know, 12, 12 drops on 82 targets. Um, that's just not going to get it done. Um, you know, and, and that's just in the last two seasons, you know, really when he made an impact there for Drew Locke. You know, what's crazy, though, is uh, in 2017, a 24.8 yard per catch average, 22.4 in 2018. Um, again, played 10 games in 2017, just eight in 2018. Um you know, never had more than, than 37 receptions in a season, um, which was his past season, 820 yards, 828 to be exact, total of 16 touchdowns, absolutely the vertical threat, but durability concerns along with the drops. Can he improve those hands? That's a huge concern for me. Paris Campbell, Ohio State, six foot, 205 pounds. I was waiting for Paris Campbell, waiting every single year for this guy to really have a breakout year. I, I thought that, you know, the hands were a little questionable, improved hands in 2018, 90 catches, um, 1,063 yards, had more yards as a senior than he did in, in his first three years combined. Um, you know, also able to, to get it done as a kick returner with a 30.4 yard um, per kick average on 30 kick returns. And, uh, you know, had, uh, 23 carries, 210 yards, two touchdowns, um, you know, running the football. He, he just felt like a gimmick guy, you know, and I, I don't think Ohio State really did him any any uh, any favors with the offense because, you know, Pro Football Focus noted that only 21 of his 111 targets were 10 yards or more down the field. You know, it, it really did feel like, you know, I'm glad that I found that stat because, it seemed like every single play, this was the guy that was catching the pass, you know, either you know a pop pass or he was dragging across the field, get the ball to him in space and allow him to make plays. And, and yes, he had that speed. He could get vertical, but I want to see him run something more than just, you know, one of those pop passes. I don't want to see just these gimmick plays. Um, I really want to see if his game can translate. And it's hard when, when he's doing that. Um, you know, yes, he ran a 4-3-1-40. Yes, he has a 40-inch vertical leap, but can his game translate to the next level? I don't know. I really don't. You know, the athlete says, yeah, he, he could absolutely translate to the next level, but can, can I just rely on, on the athleticism? You know, you, you know, that's kind of a dangerous proposition. I still think he's going to get drafted in the second round. I've got him going to the Saints. Um, you know, I, I think that's going to be a, a, a decent fit for him. Um. Drew Brees, you know, we, we talk about you know pro football focus and their their adjusted completion percentage. Drew Brees broke the the pro football record, uh, pro pro football focus record at eighty two point two, which is ridiculous. But uh, you know Michael Thomas needs some help. You know they did sign Jared Cook to take some pressure off of him, um, but you know Cameron Meredith battling injuries. 
uh, Ted Ginn, now 33 years of age, uh, Austin Carr and Keith Kirk, Kirkwood are possession receivers that the Saints like, but they're not going to be the type of player that they need to have opposite Thomas. And then um, you know, only, let's see, of the receivers that, that, that I did mention, including Thomas, they'll all be free agents at the end of the season. They need a, a guy who can stretch the defense a little bit. You know, Ted Ginn can do that, but again, 33 years of age, um, you know, the aging receiver, you know, he's going to end up being a step slow. If you can bring a guy in who's running a, a 4-3-140 like Paris Campbell, I think that would definitely help. Uh, the question is, is, you know, again, does that overall game translate to the NFL? Now, Gary Jennings was David Sills' running mate there at West Virginia, um, but in, in the last two seasons, he ended up hauling in, you know, 151 receptions, uh, over 2,000 yards, and 14 touchdowns. You know, this was a guy in 2017, had just one touchdown, and then suddenly exploded for 13 in 2018. And, and he was really the guy that was kind of flying under, under the radar. You know, everyone was talking about David Sills because of all the touchdowns, but Gary Jennings, you know, pretty decent route runner, 6'1", 214 pounds, ran a 4'4", at the combine, 37-inch vertical leap, a lot more explosive than, than you were expecting. Um, you know, I don't think he's the most elusive guy in the open field, but a guy who just seemed to get it done and very reliable for, for Will Greer, a guy who can come over the middle a little bit as well. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a guy, you know, early day three, that'd be a nice pickup for someone. Um, at number 19, I've got Preston Williams out of Colorado state, six four, two hundred eleven pounds, had, uh, had some issues. You know, he wasn't invited to the combine. Um, in, in September of 2017, um, he was arrested in Fort Collins on a misdemeanor assault charge uh, for an altercation with a woman um, who said that she was his girlfriend at an apartment that the two shared. Um, he was sitting out the 2017 season, transferring from Tennessee after he pled guilty to a, a charge and, and received a deferred sentence. So he left Tennessee, moves to Colorado State, you know, has that issue in, in Fort Collins. Um, so obviously off-field issues, definite red flags. 2018 there for the Rams uh, at Colorado State and had the best re- best receiving year of, of any receiver in, in Colorado State history. 96 catches, over 1,300 yards receiving, 1,345 yards, and 14 touchdowns. Excellent body control along the sideline, just one-handing catches over defensive backs. Um, just a man among boys there at the Mountain West Conference, a guy who was just a go that go-to target whenever you know Colorado State. You know they had a down year under Mike Bobo, but anytime um, any other quarterbacks needed to to make a play, you know Carter Samuels um, needed to make a play. This was the guy that they were going to, and uh, you know he delivered. And, you know, I think there, there was a lot of question about how fast he was going to be. Ran in the four fives at his pro day. I couldn't get an accurate number. It seemed like everybody was kind of all over the place with, with the 40 time. You know, the off-field issues, that might be enough for him not to get drafted. But the the, the thing is, is, is the skills out on the field, they're, they're undeniable. You know, he's a very, very big physical. We've talked about physical receivers. He's one of the more physical receivers in this draft and a guy who was just so difficult to bring down. Uh, after the catch. Number 20, DeMarcus Lodge. So DeMarcus Lodge, out of, out of Ole Miss, 6'2", 207 pounds, 41 catches, 698 yards, 17, uh, I'm sorry, 7 touchdowns, uh, ran a 4 5 40, 
Um, you know, he, he's probably, you know, the least talked about among the, the receivers. Um, you know, and, and the numbers that I mentioned was as a junior, as a senior, 65 receptions, 877 yards, four touchdowns. You know, there are only so many passes that can go around when you've got A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf in the same receiving core. I think Demarcus Lodge could be a better pro than he was a, a college player because he's going to you know, hopefully get more targets. Um, probably be a fourth or fifth round pick, but a guy who I think can be a, a pretty good possession guy um, at the next level. Uh, 21, Darius Slayton. Out of Auburn, 6'1", 190 pounds, the junior, a vertical threat, uh, averaged 20.3 yards per reception in his three years there with with the Auburn Tigers, uh, 79 catches, over 1,600 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Uh, that vertical threat, uh, yes, you know, ran a 4.39, 44-and-a-half inch vertical leap. Tremendous athlete. I just don't know if he can run any any other out you know routes other than than the vertical. It seemed like every time I turned around, he's running a vertical route, um, but speed kills and i think he's a guy that can end up getting drafted a little bit higher on day three um than i think his value truly is but again that speed someone's going to take him earlier um antoine wesley you know if you're looking for a guy who might be a little overrated in my eyes um antoine wesley um as, as a junior had a breakout year 88 catches there for the red raiders there at texas tech 1,410 yards, nine touchdowns. He's 6'4", 206 pounds, um, you know, a, a skinny, slight receiver. Um, you know, frankly, you know, I, I think he was playing, you know, under 200 and, and bulked up for the combine. Um, didn't run run the 40 until his pro day. Uh, ran a 4.65, 40, you know, on the slower end. Yes, he has that 37-inch vertical leap, but come on, he bench-pressed 225 six times. Um, you know, the, the strength has to be an issue firing off the line. Um, could he be a, you know, a guy down the field? Sure. He could be a possession uh, type receiver. Um, I, I just don't see his game translating to the next level. Um, possession guys, uh, Jacoby Myers, 6'2", 207 pounds, ran a disappointing 4'6", 340. Um, despite that 92 receptions, um, over a thousand yards, four touchdowns, just 11.4 yards per reception. A guy that made a lot of plays underneath uh, with Kelvin Harmon on the outside. Um, you know, that's really where I, I think, you know, he and Antoine Wesley are two guys that I think could play underneath more than anything else. Um, you know, slot receivers. Yeah, there are a few in this draft that you can get on day three. Cody Thompson out of Toledo. I was a huge fan of his in 2016. 64 catches, over 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, 19.8 yards per reception. I mean, he was catching passes from Logan Woodside. was one of his favorite targets. Then uh, in 2017, tears his knee um, after playing five games and uh, comes back and, and doesn't quite look himself. You know, 48 receptions, 647 yards, 10 touchdowns, but looked to be all the way back at the combine. Ran a 4.5740, ran the fastest uh, three-cone drill at 6.87 seconds. Um, you know, pretty strong uh, guy in terms of, of blocking. You know, had uh, not only Deontay, John, um, Deontay Johnson, but John Vay Johnson as well. Uh, that he could block for there down the field. Um, to me, I, I think he'd be a late day three guy, but a guy who I think can make a roster, as would Ola B.C. Johnson there at Colorado State. Six foot, 204 pounds. Um, a, a guy, I talked about Preston Williams, but 
Well, the BC Johnson, look, you know, um, he, he first he, he he played alongside Michael Gallup, then Preston Williams, but a guy who I thought was a very good complimentary piece for both of those guys. Ran a decent time, 4-5-1, um, 38-inch vertical leap, a 6-8-8, uh, three-cone drill, just a, you know, um, a hundredth of a second slower than, than Cody Thompson. And a guy who I think can make a roster. I think he can be a day three guy and make a roster as a as a possession type receiver with with an ability to stretch defenses a little bit, uh, playing out of the slot. Uh, Greg Dorch out of Wake Forest, uh, the redshirt sophomore, five seven, one hundred seventy three pounds, very slight guy, um, but you know eighty nine receptions, over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns. Um, you know the little guy ran a four four nine forty. You know at his pro day. But I think really what you need to, to, to know is that punt return and kick return ability, you know, scored two punt returns uh, for touchdown in 2018. He's more elusive in the open field. He's quicker than he is fast. I, I think he's he plays a lot faster than that 4.49 speed. Um, uh, you know, I, I think a guy, you know, he's, he's got short arms, you know, 29 and a, and a quarter inch arms. But, uh, you know, and, and again, very slight. But I think a guy who can make a you know make a roster as a late day three guy, um, making plays out of the slot, um, probably start off as a as a return guy. Um, Hunter Renfro, I think you know made famous as a as a third down bat or third down receiver, 5'10", 184 pounds. Um, you know a, a guy that you know it didn't matter who was playing quarterback there at Clemson um, when it came to a third down play, it was going to Hunter Renfro. Um, you know, he was the guy that, that caught the, the touchdown pass there for Clemson at the end of the game against Bama to, to clinch it. Um, you know, ran a 4-5-9-40, not the fastest guy, not the strongest guy either, only bench pressed 225 seven times at the Combine. Here's the thing that's crazy. Really small hands. For a guy that was so sure-handed, 7 and 7 eighths inch hands, very small hands, uh, 29 and an eighth inch arms. Um, you know, but I think he ends up getting, you know, a team will take a flyer on him late. Um, either that or, or he'll be a, a priority free agent. He probably makes a roster because he is so reliable. And then uh, we're going to take a look at some small school guys here real quick and a couple of uh, uh, free agent guys that, that we might want to take a look at that may not get drafted. So small school, I think when you're talking about some of the small school receivers, how about Keelan Doss out of UC Davis? 6'2", 211 pounds, um, this guy, one of the most prolific receivers in uh, FCS history, 321 receptions for over uh, 4,000 yards, 4,069 to be exact, um, including back-to-back seasons with over 1,300 yards, only a 12.7 yard per catch average, but 28 uh, touchdowns in his career. Very much a possession receiver um, from what it, it, you know, when you watch him play. Uh, did run a 4-4-5-40 at the Combine. Only eight uh, reps at 225 at the at the Combine. So that's concerning. But again, a 4-4-5-40 at his pro day. Um, you know, over 100 yards, you know, against all of his competition there at the FBS, including against Stanford. Um, you know, 123 yards uh, receiving. A guy that caught a lot of passes underneath. You know, not really a guy that stretched stretched the field too much against Stanford. Um, but a savvy route runner. You know, and, and a guy who I think could be a fifth or sixth round pick, and uh, ultimately end up making a roster. I'm I'm actually really high on Keelan Doss. He did well at the Senior Bowl too. Um, I didn't get to really watch him play very much, but you know, a guy who, um, you know, from what I heard, you know, more than held his own. 
And I'm going to give you a couple of names, probably going to end up being free agents, but I, I still wanted to call them out as, as guys to keep a, keep an eye out for, um, especially when we get into the sixth and seventh round range. Um, Brody Oliver, and, and Brody Oliver is, is 6'3", 208 pounds, um, 4'4", at his pro day. Um, and, and a guy who... You know, again, four four five at six three and two hundred eight pounds, uh, excellent size. You know, playing at College School of the Mines, uh, or I'm sorry, School of Mines, not School of the Mines. Um, you know, but School of Mines, and you know, he, he's someone that ultra productive. Twenty six touchdowns in 2016, another thirty one touchdowns in his final two seasons. No one knows how to find the end zone, um, and then Reggie White Jr. Uh, they're at Monmouth, 6'2", 208 pounds, 249 total receptions, over 3,000 yards, 3,330, uh, I'm sorry, 3,373 yards uh, and 37 touchdowns, ran a 4'4", 540 at his, at his pro day as well, and a 6'7", 7", three-cone drill, along with a 37.5-inch vertical leap. Those are a couple of guys to keep an eye on, potentially late or as a priority free agent. And three final guys that could be priority free agents. How about Penny Hart out of Georgia State? 5'8", 180 pounds, wasn't invited to the combine, but very shifty, very elusive. Um, you know, this was a guy, basically odd years, um, he, he had his 1,000-yard receiving. Um, 72 receptions as a, as a freshman, over 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns as a junior. 74 receptions, over 1,100 yards, and eight touchdowns. Only played in two games in, in 2016, uh, and then tw- in 2018 as a, as a junior, 49 catches, 669 yards, two touchdowns. Wasn't invited to the combine. Um, very little um, diminutive receiver. Um, you know, was going to struggle to get off a jam at the, at the line, but very explosive, a guy who can stretch defense, explosive burst, um, very sudden with his route running. Um, you know, he might get a flyer, um, you know, maybe sixth, seventh round range could be a priority free agent. Another guy to keep an eye out for John or out of Hawaii. Um, I was kind of surprised that he came out, especially after the knee injury in 2017. Um, but in 2018, look, 89 catches over 1300 yards, 16 touchdowns, um, you know, ran a four, five, eight, 40, uh, for Hawaii. And, uh, you know, I think that was a little concerning as a, as a slot receiver. I was expecting a little bit more out of him. But look, he knows how to get open. He's very savvy with his route running ability. A guy that can really work underneath um, very well. Um, and, and again, you know, 89 catches, over 1,300 yards, uh, working out of the slot for Hawaii. Um, you know, so Ursu was another guy to, to keep an eye on. And then one final name, a guy who just continues to, you know, he, Two years at, at UAB, um, 35 catches for 837 yards, which is a, almost a 24-yard per catch average and eight touchdowns. Xavier Ubosi, he's 6'2", 215 pounds. I was kind of surprised. He he had a you know four five forty, um, but he plays so much faster than that. You know, just a long strider down the field, uh, very explosive. Um, you know, explosive guy, quick acceleration. Um, he could be a guy that a team will take a flyer on. You know, I don't know that he necessarily make a roster, but he could potentially be a, a practice squad guy because of his his athleticism and and potentially work his way onto the field. Um, you know, but he needs to develop as a as a receiver because he is pretty raw. So those are my receivers. 
know, we broke down all the receivers. You got to take a look at, at some of my favorite guys here in the draft, especially Hakeem Butler and uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, uh, A.J. Brown, uh, another guy that I've, I've continued to uh, to fall in love with, as well as Andy Isabella throughout this whole pre-draft process. Um, there are some guys that, you know, from an injury standpoint, if the uh, the injuries can check out, they can actually, you know, uh, get healthy, stay healthy. Um, and, and Debo Samuel and, and Marquise Brown, there are some teams that I think on day two will be very happy if they fall to them. Um, so it'll be interesting. What's going to happen with the receiver position? You know, I think you know you're looking at probably three receivers taken in uh, in round number one. You know, and really I have only one coming off the board in the top half of the first round, and then two that are taken in the bottom half. Um, but there could be as many as seven or eight receivers taken in round number two. Um, you know, it, it's just staggering. Um, you know, the the amount of depth there in, in the next two rounds. And uh, let's see. Yeah, you know, there's there's just so many receivers. You can get quality receivers there at, at just about every every turn. Um, you know, and, and guys that you could probably pick out. And uh, you know, there probably there are probably some guys that I've even mentioned or that I didn't mention. That uh, could potentially make an impact. I mean, you got a guy like Jamal Custis, you know, a six six four six five wide out, four five forty. You know, he's a vertical. You know, runs nothing but vertical routes. Um, but a guy who can definitely extend for the football, make plays down the field. Ryan Davis out of Auburn, a uh, smaller receiver, a slot guy, uh, made some plays there for Auburn at, working out of the slot. Uh, Jazz Ferguson, uh, Jalen Ferguson's brother, um, left LSU. 6'5", 227 pounds, out of Northwestern State, ran a 4'4", a guy who, very productive there, I think over 1,300 receiving yards there at Northwestern State. Teams will have to do their homework on him, um, why he left LSU. Terry Godwin, you know, 5'11", 184 pounds, uh, ran a 4'5", 540 at the Combine, uh, a, a guy who I thought looked solid uh, at the East-West Shrine game. And, uh, you know, Miko Hardman, man, I didn't even mention him. He's 5'10", 187 pounds, wasn't the most explosive receiver, um, yet he ran a 4'3", 340. Um, you know, it's it's Georgia and, and their offense. But uh, I look at Isaiah McKenzie, and he reminds me a lot of Isaiah McKenzie, a guy who I think could probably get drafted in round number five, similar to Isaiah, and uh, probably have a similar impact at the next level. I didn't even talk about Jalen Hurd or LJ, Humph- uh, LJ Humphrey, Lil Jordan Humphrey. Um, you know, both bigger receivers, uh, Humphrey, 6'4", 210 pounds, Hurd, 6'5", 226 pounds. Hurd, you know, really making that transition from running back t- at Tennessee to receiver at Baylor, but he ran a 4'6", at the Combine. Um, you know, so that, that, I'm sorry, at his pro day, he didn't run at the combine, but, uh, you know, bigger receiver, you know, he's one of those athletes, you know, you can line him up, you know, in a number of places could potentially be a, an early day three guy. Um, but the, the slow 40 time is definitely concerning as is the same thing for L, uh, LJ Humphrey, little Jordan Humphrey, four, seven, five forty at the combine, a guy who is so physical after the catch, a guy who I swear it seemed like every time we turned around, he was running a quick slant, catch the ball over the middle, and then watch him work, just really running through tackles after that. Um, 
he, you know, him and then uh, Keyshawn Johnson uh, out of Fresno State, 6'1", 201 pounds. Another guy who ran a 4'640", kind of disappointing there, um, but he's somebody who could potentially be on some teams' radar as well um, there on day three. So, again, I'm going through this list again and, and just kind of, you know, additional names popping out. Um, so everywhere you turn, you're going to find uh, a, a solid receiver and uh, just about any point in the draft, you can get yourself a, a, a pretty good receiver. So that's it for the wide receiver position at this point. So the next podcast that we're going to be releasing here in the next day or so, um, it's going to have to come up pretty quick considering the draft is just right around the corner. Uh, but we'll look at the tight end position. We'll start getting into the offensive line. Probably have to break the offensive line up into two groups uh, because I want to make sure that we're we're giving uh, time there for the tight ends. Um, but we'll see you know how much time we have there. Um, and then we'll be talking about defense. We'll do defensive line in one podcast, linebackers in another, and then the defensive backs in that final podcast. And then after all the rapid fire podcasts with the positional breakdowns are done, I'll have one final podcast that I plan to bring to you. Um, you know, get it released there on Wednesday, uh, possibly even the morning of the draft, and uh, really release my last mock draft, last first round. I'm also going to make sure that that's released out onto the website so that it's out there into the universe and uh, can't take anything back at that point. Um, you know, but really want to make sure that get everything right, break everything down uh, the best that I can. And uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast thus far. We're going to get these things moving, you know, the rapid fire podcast. Um, again, tight ends, offensive line, be on the lookout for that here in the next day or so. Hope everyone is enjoying their week. Have a good rest of the week, everyone. And until next time, this is Greg Shoots for readyforthedraft.com and the Ready for the Draft podcast. Until next time, everyone, I am out of here. Take care.